Georgian bag. That's a nasty looking finger, lady. You got the face? What? No. Hey, I got your fertilizer. We Welcome back, interweb friends. This is Stop the Movie I Want to Get Out. Canada makes bad movies and we make fun of them. Uh, <laughs> I'm Alex Dunbar. I'm joined as always by Cody Wolf. I'm disgusting. <laughs> I love that line. Brian Mueller. Crunchy, smooth, <laughs> whichever you choose, just put it on your head, and your hair will grow on and on. So beautiful. <laughs> oh, incredible. Chris, I was waiting for all day. <laughs> Chrissy, no one can top that. I should have called on Brian last. Yeah, there's, there's no way. I mean, I was going to say, am I going to get blamed for this too? So I guess I'm just getting blamed for not having a better line. <laughs> and Jack Estabrook. Holy shimoli. Our movie this week is 1985's The Peanut Butter Solution. A movie that Jack Estabrook saw as a child. Indeed I did. Very so true. Explains so much. I know this may explain a lot. Uh, Cody, Brian, you hadn't seen this. Christy had to step out for a minute. Cody and Brian, you hadn't seen this before, had you? I'd never even heard of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't even like when when I heard about the name of it. I I, I thought it was uh, some sort of weird '80s product. Well, well I mean, it it got it. it is, could have been. Uh, yeah. I had never seen it, but I have been hearing about this movie for most of my life. And the thing that amazed me was by the time I got to college, when my friends would reference it, people who had seen the movie would put disclaimers on it when they described it as saying, at least that's what I think I remember. Because the movie was so bizarre. People, yeah. adults didn't even trust their own memories of this movie uh -huh. sort of pre-internet. Uh -huh. They were like... I think this thing happened, but maybe I was maybe in dreamt it. insanity. Maybe you dreamt it, right? Like, yeah. Like yeah. How did people see this movie? Like, was this widely distributed? It was, I... in, it was all over HBO in the, um, in the late 80, mid to late 80s. Like HBO apparently ran this. This was one of those movies that HBO somehow got the rights to and just like, was like, oh, what if we put it on every day? <laughs> <laughs> so or at least that's how my friends who had seen it that was how because they would say it's uh I, I just remember in college people kept referencing it as canadian and i was like i don't i mean you don't normally see a movie that feels canadian but then when you see this movie you're like oh no this movie's aggressively canadian when i it saw all of these french titles at the beginning i worried for a minute that i had the wrong movie and I was thinking, what am I about to watch? <laughs> yeah, I, I was worried it was in French for a minute. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, I think Something it was too. part of like a series. I, I think this was like a pre-Goosebumps sort of idea. Like of like, ooh, what if we made spooky stories for kids? Yeah. Um, I was thinking that too. It felt like, uh, are you afraid of the dark that they extended to a movie? Yeah. <laughs> or combined yeah. like two different Are You Afraid of the Darks and made it one movie. Yeah. But those are scarier. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. And it was better like, made. 
If you took two, com- yeah, two bad Are You Afraid of the Darks and then combined it with the disturbing like child-adult relationship from the professional, you know, yeah. then you end up yeah. with this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay. And for people who haven't seen this movie, it's, it's, you can watch it right now for free on Tubi. I just wanted people to buckle up and say, like, you're going to hear us talk about some things and say, are they still talking about the same movie? And mm-hmm. the answer is going to be yes. Like, this this was, movie takes a lot of dark turns. Yeah, I was as I was finishing the movie tonight, I was thinking, I don't think this movie took any turn that I was expecting. Like, every time I expected it, like, I knew where it was going. I was like, nope, that's that's not where it's going. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and at several points, it's just like it's a new movie now. It's it's almost like American Horror Story, where the same actors are in it, but the movie has shifted so dramatically that you're just essentially in a new movie. You know what it reminds me of is I don't know if you ever seen the show Freddy's Nightmares. It was yeah. like an it was anthology based on Nightmare on Elm Street, but it was like it was two stories, but the stories were somewhat connected by like characters and stuff. So it yes. felt like one kind of uh connected story but it was like two separate stories and that's kind of what this was because at that one point in the movie it turns like what just happened yes it was yes. like I, I am not in the same movie yes so it it starts off with the uh, my, my notes by the way look especially like lunatic for this movie um, the movie starts off with a young girl making a disgusting breakfast shake for her brother that seems to involve multiple raw eggs. Yeah, the the raw egg part creeped me out about that. Yeah, and I she, mean, then later she's like, "It's fruit, eat it." No, it's raw eggs. It was raw. I think that was a thing. I think that was a thing. Like, 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 like there were like nutrition shakes with like raw egg because the Rocky drinking the raw eggs. I seem to remember that being a thing for like a narrow window. I, I so like health with like health certain like health nut yuppies were having like these raw eggs and things. I, I have to check on that, but this is my recollection. I've seen that in more than one movie. Certainly, make sure to get back uh, to us on that, Jack. I will yeah. indeed. We call that the PS era pre Salmonella, yeah. um, and they're both kids. But like the girl is dressed; she's wearing like an adult's robe. She kind of like, and he has a problem with it. Our main character is narrating the story and feels uncomfortable about it because he misses his mom. He also seems uncomfortable about narrating the story because the narration goes away at times for fifty minutes, and then all of a sudden he's narrating again. Yeah. Well, so there's this whole weird thing with the mom where it's like, at the beginning you're almost led to believe that she's dead, and then the daughter actually has to say she's not dead. So it's like, okay, so did she leave the father? But then the father says, like, oh, she's on vacation. But you're like, is she, though? Or is he just telling you? She's in Australia because her father died. Apparently, she's from Australia, and she had to take care of that. Yeah, but it kind of felt like the father was, like, telling him that because she left him or something. Yeah. Long time in between she's not dead and she's taking or she had to go to Australia because her father died. Like, that that left you hanging for a long time. And, yeah. I feel like the first draft of this movie, the mom was like dead or something. And someone was like, oh, God, this is too grim as it is. Because yeah. like, yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter. Like if she doesn't. It's like you'll get to it at the end. But it's, it's like, for a bad payoff. The joke at the end. Yeah. yeah. I guess it was for the joke, but it was just a weird thing throughout the first part of the movie. There, there was a joke there. What happened to your hair? Yeah. Just that she didn't know what was going on the whole time. Okay. That was supposed to be a joke. It's a very natural question for someone to ask. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, it's like they were probably like, oh, shoot, we already have child labor and borderline pedophilia. Maybe we, the mom needs to still be alive. Write her back in. Well, I, I because what the movie gives you a lot of and all the way through is that the girl, his sister, who's about 10 years old, I think, in the movie, is now like the surrogate mom. They even purposely dressed her like a stereotypical, like a sitcom mom which I thought was an interesting idea and would have worked in a better movie. Just as like this sweet little kind of odd sort of surrealistic kind of relationship with the, the sister and the brother where she's kind of like a mother here. It's just kind of weird. It's just another one of those odd one, another one of those odd facets about the movie that doesn't quite fit. It's very odd. And then it shifts to creepy when you realize that the dad is also living with them. <laughs> and he's clearly not. Yeah, he's not been up. Now, dude, do, do, can we talk about this? So the father is Saul Ty from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I heard his, I couldn't stop hearing him say, you fracking Cylon. And that yep. beautiful it, Canadian brogue. Once, once Jack revealed that, because I kept looking at that guy and being like, where do I know him from? And then Jack revealed it was Captain Ty from Battlestar Galactica. I feel like I, I feel like I knew him from stuff, too, and I've never seen Battlestar Galactica. I feel like I, I looked him up by IMDb, and he has like a ton of credits. I couldn't go through it all, but I, I feel like I know him from something. He's like, I, think I was avoiding he, IMDb just so that I didn't ruin anything, but the, the best friend looked familiar to me, too. Yeah, A couple of people looked familiar, but... I couldn't maybe actually from anybody. Other movies or maybe commercials and stuff. Yeah. I can't imagine this was a terribly expensive film. I can't believe mm-hmm. anyone in this movie had prior credits. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Some of them have been in a movie and then read that script to be like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Because it paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the kid is getting ready for school and he has a friend named Conrad who comes over. And he likes his grapes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and the dad is really like a jerk to Conrad for reasons that are never clear. And they have like a story arc where at the end of the movie, the dad apologizes to Conrad for being a jerk. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I still don't know why. I don't know why, why you were terrible to him. It's not even at the end of the movie. It's like halfway through through the movie, he just apologized to him, and then it's like never even a thing again. That's true. Yeah, and then at the end of the movie, he throws a suitcase at him. <laughs> I was like, well, all right, I guess. <laughs> but but the, the funny part, even like later when he apologized for being a jerk to him, like usually when people apologize, they're like, oh, I'm sorry I've been a jerk. It's just that, and there's some excuse for it. But he was just like, sorry I was being a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Leave it at that. Yeah. You, you, get, like you get it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there, so then the kid and, and his friend are going to school and you're like, okay, I don't know where this movie is going. We he have doesn't to- want to step on the ants and they seem to put some significance on that and it never comes back. I kept thinking that was coming back. That never comes yeah. back. Yeah, um, I remember that. And they go to school where we get a, a long, long scene with them and their insane art teacher Yeah, uh, called the Senor. Yes. Everybody is supposed to be drawing a dog. And is he supposed to be like, like, is he supposed to be like Italian? Is he supposed to be French? Is it just weird? I don't know. I think I don't know. It's it's a long scene. Like this. We rating these kids. It was uncomfortable to watch. He's like ripping up their artwork and telling them they're wrong. And yeah, and he's screaming at the kid like. And the other one not to. I also Mm -hmm. wasn't sure. Like, was it 
like somebody's little sister in that class too. Yeah. But like yeah. what grade was that class supposed to oh, yeah. be? The whole yeah, class is confusing. Conrad, well, I'm not sure. Conrad's that might be that might be normal in Canadian schools. I don't know. That's <laughs> a good point. I'm serious. This is a different country. I, I don't think know. we should. I, I think that's what we should do. Anything that doesn't make sense, just be like, "Hey, it's Canadian." <laughs> Canadians, yeah. Uh, I, I love the line where the, the art teacher screams, "You dare to imagine in my class!" Uh, and, yep. and that actor, I was like, "I don't know what's going on, but clearly this actor is going to be back because he is dialed up to 11. Like that guy is like, yeah. he, whatever the vision for this movie is, that guy is all in on it and believing mm -hmm. such in an advanced it. art class. Like what, like third, fourth grade level art class has like, like they're painting a dog." It's still life, yeah. Up. It's like, who, who does that in third or fourth grade? We were doing like watercolors back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one that he rips up, I'm like, that was pretty good, uh, you know. It was, and then the one and then the one that he says is good was only okay compared to the others. Yeah, I, I question he how, basically how uh, fit yeah. the senor was, but more on that later. But the, the yeah. characters in the film will too. And in this very painting-driven movie, it's revealed that the kid's dad, Michael, his dad is also an artist who paints terrible-looking pictures in the attic. I, I mean, truly, That's objectively awful paintings um, that, that are well, like... That show was a sellout. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and that, like, that bizarre that bizarre painting of his family playing tennis was worth six thousand dollars. He wasn't going to sell it. It was a birthday present. I, of course, assumed it was for his wife. And then when that pays off, when it pays off, it's not. Yeah. Also, he says, "I don't want to." He has a conversation with this guy who he calls Rabbit, and Rabbit it says that that you know this painting's gorgeous. I could sell this for six thousand dollars, and he's like, "No, it's a gift for somebody." And she, he's like, "Oh, okay, okay. You know, didn't mean to offend you. Just I'm complimenting you in your painting." But and I'm like, "Oh, like, this must come to the mother, right?" But the guy nope. is that that like our dealer guy is also like, "Yeah, I can't sell any of these other ones." Like even in the world of the movie, people are aware that like these other paintings are terrible. But the others were better than that one was. Yeah, I mean, and but at that point, like and, I think. And, and like, yeah. Birds playing poker would have been better than like <laughs> the paintings that we were seeing from him. Yeah, that one was just bigger. Um, so now, okay, so now the boys are out of school, and they want to explore a haunted house because the kid had been talking. The the friend Conrad was a house where there was a fire, and he wants it was to play. And yeah, yeah. see if there's any ghosts in there. Yeah, it's, a, it's an abandoned house that like winos were living in and then it caught fire and some of them died. And so the next day they decided to check out this abandoned house. That's I appreciated that very 1985 touch of how they kept referring to the people as winos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. All right, thanks, 80s. Um, but, and the kid, the main kid, Michael, right? this is his name, right? Yeah. He, the day before, had given one of the winos uh, money outside like a uh, convenience store or something. And and so he, he felt bad because he just saw this guy and gave him money and now he died in this fire. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was strange that Conrad was apparently at the fire. Yeah. Like he mentioned like crawling under firefighters' legs or something. Like he, like he snuck out to watch it, but they don't really get into it. Yeah, that just seems super weird. And like, who's paying attention to this child that he's sneaking out in the middle of the night 
to go to an active fire scene. Well, I it thought also that makes too. wonder if he started the fire. But I was- thought that's where this was going. I thought that they were, because I was like, you know, Conrad seems quite suspicious and now he's talking about this fire. Yeah. Um, seems I to thought- know a lot. It would have been so cool if they did like a Sixth Sense type twist and like Conrad was a ghost. Because <laughs> really the only person that acknowledged him was the dad and the, the sister. Like they could have gotten away with him being a ghost. Yeah. We never see his family. Well, we see his yeah. sister, but we yeah. never see the rest of his family. He's got the little sister. He's got the little sister. Yeah. yeah. That was a missed opportunity, I think, by the filmmakers. I'd agree. I'd agree. It's like that theory that Steve Buscemi's character in Big Lebowski is a figment of uh, John Goodman's imagination. Mm-hmm. And that and that and that and that Jeff Bridges just acknowledges him for the sake of his friend. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard this theory? This is a theory. Yeah. This is an active yeah. theory about that film. See, I'm talking about a better movie now. This is what happens. You talk, want to talk about a good movie. So, so a peanut butter problem. Yeah. So Michael goes into the haunted house and he gets scared by something that we don't see he gets and then falls out of the house jack has a screenshot up of the kid getting scared falls out of the house and conrad wheels him back to his house in a convenient shopping cart to which point basically his dad and his sister are pretty unfazed by the fact that an unconscious young child has been wheeled to their house there was a brief there was a brief, Conrad, what are you doing? That's dangerous. And then they go back to trying to revive him. Oh, you're just fine, lad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's- Why is the dad Sean Connery, Jay? I don't know. I'm not. I'm bad on my voices today. I'm sorry. In a- they didn't start to nail Sean- down. It really is. Connery. Pass the maple syrup, lassie. <laughs> it, and I you like get- it. Well, you get, then you get more of this weird dynamic in the movie as the sister as sister as mother and wife because now the mm-hmm. sister is basically responsible for the medical care and like updating the dad as she's like oh man that cat keeps sleeping on michael's head and she's like running the house in this uh, weird way I, you have to mention too like this the girl who's playing the sister is about 10 years old but mm-hmm. sort of also looks like she could be 42 like there's something like 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 if this were a better movie and this was sort of a surrealistic take on like a broken home the dad has kind of become distant because the the wife has died he's there he provides he does the bare minimum the 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 young kid gets into trouble but not serious trouble but stupid stuff like breaking into like abandoned houses and stuff and he's got his nitwit friend who's basically a good kid but kind of a knucklehead and then she has to be the one like the side character who's kind of like has to be the mother kind of figure I really think they were trying to go for this kind of endearing and touching thing that was also somewhat surrealistic. And it's, it didn't work. They missed this awesome opportunity. The way they made her seem like she was running the family, I expected the dad to be totally absent and scatterbrained, but he's really not. He seems to really care for his kids and want to be Mm -hmm. there for them. So I didn't really get why the girl had to take on that, the sister had to take on that role. And they even have a shot of her like paying bills on the computer. Yeah. I mean, Uh but the dad seems confident. I mean. But it's not played off as a joke. That could also be a joke. Like he just delegates that to his daughter who rolls her eyes and does it. But that's weird. It is, but the the movie is weird. Imagine, okay, let me, let me put it this way. Imagine if this same script were directed by Terry Gilliam. 
it would have immediately been a better movie. So whenever I pick out these weird abstractions, I think this could have worked in some kind of a surrealistic kind of dark I, fantasy I film. I agree with you, Jack, in that, but I think this movie either needed to be more surreal or, or less, less surreal. It, it uh, is agreed, agreed. In this nebulous area of like where it's not like a sure. modern day fairy tale because it's like weirdly grounded in real things. It is. Yeah. But then at times it wants to be like almost like a Gilliam movie or like City yeah. of Lost Children, mm-hmm. but like on like almost a shot by shot basis. It, it, it's like tonally this movie is yeah. shifting every sometimes like every 20 seconds, which yeah. it, it's, it's true. It is true. Crazy. Yeah. So then, so yeah. So then um, Michael wakes up and he has, he has no hair. Um, to which the dad instantly was like, I knew it. It's that damn cat. I was like, I'm going to wrap my hands around its throat. Yeah. I'm like, the, the cat is the problem. Is that no a Canadian thing as well? Is that like an old Canadian wives tale that if a cat sits on your head, you go bald? I, I, yeah. Yes. I was like, why? You know, it must like, be. The, the way medical treatment is handled in this movie um, raises a lot of concern. <laughs> he has got scaris, scalpus or whatever he calls it. Yeah, yeah. A doctor diagnosed with harem scarum. That's it. Harem. I was like, okay. Um, and I could not place the doctor's accent or rabbit's accent or, I mean, Jack mentioned the senior's accent. Like, I did not understand where anybody was supposed to be from. And apparently they're all brothers. Yeah, the doctor- so that, I, that comes out of left field at the end of the movie. Like, wait a minute, the doctor's the brother too? So it's Rabbit, the doctor, and the senor are brothers? The doctor I pegged as German, but the other ones I never pegged as German. So well, I, I thought he was doing like a bad Sigmund Freud. Like, I can cure the boy's hair problem, yeah. Like, it was kind of like a, a, a quick, like on the spot, okay, maybe this will be a fun yeah, decision. But, but he didn't talk to the other actors who were playing his brother. <laughs> Right, what gonna do? <laughs> and the the doctor feels like he's he's in the low rent Terry Gilliam movie. Like yeah. he's dialed into the low rent Terry Gilliam movie. But the guy who's like the art dealer is like, oh no no, that's not the movie I'm in. I'm just in a real world movie. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but it's also so you find out later on, like you said, that they're brothers with Senor, the art teacher. But they mentioned that the art teacher is like he like changes his appearance and like moves from town to town and changes his name and everything. So it's just convenient that he now happens to be in the town with his two brothers. Right, right. I expected the ghost to be a brother too because the ghost talked about how many how he had all these brothers. I was like, well, he's one too, and then that never. Yeah, I wonder if something got cut out. You know what's funny? I uh, on the IMDb trivia for this movie, it actually says. That he is one of the brothers, oh, that guy that got killed in the fire. Oh, what okay. they, I mean, it would make sense. It would be nice if they told us that the audience well, in the it movie makes sense though, because when he sees him at the end and that like scares him, or whatever. I guess that would make sense why, but oh, he's scared of his own brother. Yeah, but why was why was our boy Michael scared? Maybe he's just scared of seeing a ghost. They never, they never say. They never really. Yeah, I, I just am curious how four brothers all. I wouldn't have shown it. Like that's a great opportunity to do like a metaphor for what he's scared of. You know, is growing up or the loss of innocence or something. Maybe it's a. I I always assumed it was an allegory for childhood illness. You know, like this film has a lot of things that could be so. It could be deeper than it, and oh, it's not. It's yeah. just a corny straight to video adventure flick. It's you not give that these good. 
so much more thought than they deserve. I know, right? I know. I know. I know. This movie doesn't deserve you, Jack. Jack sometimes. I love the scene. I love the scene coming up where, like, the dad is like, yeah, oh, yeah, you can't call your mom in Australia to let her know that you've lost all your hair and seem to be suffering a major medical condition. I had to write this down. The dad's like, ah, what good is that going to do? It's only going to worry her. Which is another reason I thought, like, she was, like, not, you know what I mean? Like, they were split up or something. He's, like, trying to get him not to try to call her. But I guess not. Oh, yeah. I suspected for a minute, I was like, is there, is the twist going to be that the mom is like, like that the mom is the ghost or like, I was like, the mom is dead or something. I was like, something's not right here. Right. You know, but this was starting to feel like a dateline from like the late nineties, <laughs> you know, yeah. like this mom is in trouble, but no, yeah, she just shows up at the end has no, mom has no lines in the movie. Well, except for that one line, her one, she's given one joke to deliver and that's it. Uh, so later on, I mean, you know, there's a bunch of drama where he's got no hair until the dad, the dad, dad and the glue in his head. In a well, they do, yeah, they put glue, they, the dad and the sister wife attack him sister with a wig. They, they sister wife, mom. attach a wig to his head. Well, I was actually kind of surprised at like how upset he was by this. Like, I know it's upsetting, but as a kid, you would think he'd just be like, well, whatever. Yeah, I mean, like a little boy, he's just like, whatever. But he's like really super upset about it. Which is immediately pivoted to he runs into the bathroom and is really happy. How did I know that? His line is, I'm so happy. (laughs) I was like, okay, great. Um, Just say the emotion. That's how you feel it. Yeah. Until moments later when like, it felt like a kid who looked like origin story Michael Imperioli rips off the wig during a soccer match. Yeah, I, I love the, the his best friend's line when they're playing because Michael's scoring all the goals and he can tell, yeah, that this uh, Andre the Giant's getting angry by it. And he goes, wash up for this guy. He's mean and dangerous. <laughs> He's a college kid. He got held back. What? He's I like that too. It, it wasn't just like it's not bad. Hey, he's not just dangerous. I think he's also mean. You should you get you've got to understand the not truth. Not only is he a danger to you, but it's not pleasant when he's dangerous to you. And, and they do they the kids chase him home singing like an impromptu song. I, I was like, they, were in, they were in unison. These guys got it tight. I was like, that was quick. Yeah. But yeah. Props to those kids for they coming the up. Bull, with the they get the life. BAFTA. The BAFTA of bullying. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that they came up with it while they were all running in unison. I mean, it's very, I mean, they and the two teams, the two it. teams came together. The rival yeah. schools were united. I also, also what, what they were chanting. I have no idea what they said. Uh, I had the subtitles on. It was something kind of, you know, like a little kid's like quasi clever, like, like scaredy pants, lost his hair or something, something rhymes with hair. It was, Lame. It was it was lame. It was lame, but they were all doing it in unison. But they yeah. didn't know the whole backstory of how he lost his hair. I, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I don't know. Well, the scaredy pants part makes me feel like that. Like, well, I don't uh, know if they actually well, said scaredy pants. I'm, it, I'm I don't remember the word for word the song. It was something like that. Something like like, like what a kid would say. Yeah. Also, in a stereotypical in the fight, bully. Also, in the fight, it looked like the bully was like 
like trying to pull his hair off, even though he had no idea he was wearing a wig. Because in the script, that had to happen because he had to be humiliated in front of his peers. But I mean, there, yeah, but I mean, it's like they could have like done something where he was like they're grabbing each other and then he gets a hold of his head and it comes off. But like the bully, like literally didn't like touch him at all, except for the top of his head. And he just pulled his hair off. I'm like, With, yeah, it's like Canadian Michael Imperioli is both doing it intentionally and shocked by the result of the thing he's doing intentionally. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they played in slow motion, which makes it even weirder. With like a wah, wah, wah sound yeah. to like further add to the humiliation. Yeah. So he goes home, he gets home, and that night he just encounters two homeless ghosts, or this movie, I guess I'd refer to them, Wino wino ghosts. Yeah, Wino ghosts. In his kitchen. Ghosts who look exactly like human beings, can open yeah. cupboards, take food. Like, I, I, how would he even know they're ghosts? Like, if he saw Well, those well Christy, know, Christy, if you close your eyes and I start banging my cupboards open and closed and you can't hear it, but then when you open your eyes and I'm suddenly banging and you can hear it, that's how you prove that you're a ghost. Imagine. That's how it works. Right. I'm totally, I'm totally not not slamming the doors when your eyes are closed. I'm totally slamming those doors once you close your eyes. Yeah, the, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. That's the ghost says to him, uh, you know, oh, the only reason you're hearing us is because you're seeing us and your brain's making those noises. So he says, yeah, close your eyes. So Michael closes his eyes and he's banging the cabinets and he can't hear it. But like, obviously, he does can't see anything. Um, have you guys seen Mystery Men? Yes. Yeah, yes. that totally reminded me of the invisible boy who is only invisible yep. when you weren't looking at him. <laughs> yes, yep. I thought of that too. I, I really, and I'm, I'm also like, uh, why do ghosts need to steal like the weird food from their food? Kids? They're like stealing a box of Melba toast. I'm like, what do ghosts need with this? They're homeless. I yeah, I, I didn't like, know ghosts. What do they haunt the streets? Most most of them haunt houses. Yeah. Well, Do ghosts came, really need like heavily processed crackers? Is, is they, came, they came specifically to visit Michael though to help him with his hair problem. Because he gave money to one of them. I thought one of the wasn't one of the ghosts the hobo gave the money to? Yeah, that guy. So he was like, All right, we feel bad for this kid, so we're gonna help him out. We'll, we'll give him his kitchen and then give him some advice. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll steal their crackers and give him the very complicated directions to make some goop to put on his head. Luckily they didn't steal the peanut butter. <laughs> that's right that's right it would have been a different titled movie so he the mayonnaise together, solution <laughs> the, 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 the peanut butter theoretical <laughs> the peanut butter I, hypothesis. I, was talking, yeah. I was talking to my husband saying like okay so we're, we're doing this and we're watching I'm like i think it's called the peanut butter solution and he goes peanut butter falcon like oh no christy froze of the ghosts didn't get her. I think they did. No, this is a weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So he makes the shake of all these weird ingredients. It's like rotten eggs. I don't know. It's like your classic uh, like flies. sort of eggs. plenty of eggs. He, make, he makes it, but he he makes it his 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 father and sister 
are watching him digging up the garden and they have an intervention. Don't drink it, son, because they think he's suicidal and he's going to drink a smoothie made of dirt. And he's like, no, dad, that's my one chance of salvation. And he pours down the drain and he's like, what are you talking about, son? And this passionate scene. Well, he does too, and he's we'll and, he, and then he just gets and then he just gets more of it the next scene. So what's the yeah, point? He's like, he's like wife, sister, quick, th- pour this down the drain so he, you could so he doesn't hurt himself. And then the you know the kid's like, oh, dad. So then the ghosts come back and they're like, oh, okay, sorry, you need a second chance. Got it, you know. Um, and they give him the one like there's some weird like ghost drama where one of the, the one ghost is like I don't want to give you a second chance and the other ghost who he gave money to is like eh, I will and just gives it to him. He's like Lord yeah. knows you've had your fair share of second chances. Yeah, I was like ooh, yeah, I was like it's about of, that like, backstory. I, I know. I mean, easy. that's gonna be in the prequel. Uh, the, pe- the peanut shell solution. That, no, well, I, yeah, that I would be the peanut butter hypothesis. Now, Jack, I don't know if this is true, but I, I read this online. Mm. Apparently, this movie was sponsored by Jiffy Peanut Butter because in this, when he adds extra peanut butter to the weird potion, there is like some what looks to be some real Jiffy product placement. But what a bizarre, like, pro, what a crazy well, idea I, for a product. Well, Pep, Pepsi, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pepsi. Why? Well, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they. Whenever I see a, like a really low budget movie like this, and I see a product placement, I'm always a little bit shocked that they'd be like, "Sure, we'll put some money into that." I mean, I mean, it's I mean, not like if, like a. I don't know. A smaller brand. Has, it feels like somebody from Jiffy didn't read the script because, yeah. like, you know, I peanut I, butter's in the title. Well, yeah. I feel like if they saw the title "Peanut Butter Solution," they're like we can make Jiffy the solution. And then it, they didn't read that. You just put it on your head and grow a bunch of hair and pubes. I yeah. mean, it did work. I mean, it did work, but you also kind of want to, like, it feels like, you know, somebody from Jiffy should have said to them, hey, just to be clear, we looked this script over and it appears to me that the peanut butter solution made with Jiffy in the film, um, if I were reading the script correctly, Conrad is rubbing this all over his pubes and his pubes grow to like an epic length to the point that they're coming out by his socks. That's one of the so things again, I remembered about the movie. Jiffy peanut butter. <laughs> like also, everyone's cool with that. Okay. Also, the mom can't be dead, so you got to bring her back to life. Right. Yeah. And 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 we've got to. Can can we try to make the weird, um, in, like incestuous or uh, you know relationship between the father and the daughter? Like, can we just like don't get rid of it? I know it's integral to the structure of the movie. Just dial it back, dial it back so that there's some just questions about what's going on there. Don't make it so explicit. And why wasn't the peanut butter used to help him at the end to get out of the situation with the bad guy? Like, if it's the solution. I, like it's a solution and it's a solution. Get it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea in the context of this movie how that would work. But I, I, I am a dad, and that's a that's a dad joke. That's a terrible dad joke. Um, all right, so Michael coming from the up. only dad here. That's right. That's right. So Michael wakes up in the morning, and his sister slash mom. Uh, sister slash new mom is like pulling out a microscope or a magnifying glass. And she's like, Ooh, you've got hair growing by the end of the breakfast. 
he has a full grown like head of hair and no one is alarmed. This is wild. Like, you yeah. know, if I sat down for a meal with, with with the four of you and I started the meal bald and I finished the meal looking like Parker Stevenson, like there should be concern about what's going on. I just got an image of that. Yeah. I mean, but everyone is fine with it. They were just over. And then immediately, in, in a in a movie, when the movie did this, I, I almost fell off my chair as you know, Conrad, or, or as Michael's like, "Oh yeah, Conrad, all right, I'm going to tell you, I made this crazy solution and it made my hair grow." And Conrad's like, "Cool, great, okay, I just learned about this. This sounds weird. Hey, can you get out of the bathroom for a minute? I got to spread this on my pubes." And I was like. Holy cow. That just, that was just awful. I mean, that part, I just hung my head in one of the many times and I thought, good Lord, why am I watching this? It was truly a disturbing plot point. That <laughs> I like, remembered it too. <laughs> this was some real, like, are the people who wrote this on a watch list because they should be like this, that th that idea was carried out, executed, like somebody wrote it. Mm -hmm. It was filmed like, like this was, it wasn't just like two people worked on this movie. This okay. went through several layers where everyone was like, yup, got it. Okay. That's on the schedule for tomorrow. Here's the storyboards. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you previous on that? They even yeah. had to get the uh, special effects department involved later on. Yeah. They put some money into that gag. Yeah, like but then it just I, stops. Mm. Yeah, yeah he Michael's hair keeps growing and growing and growing, and his just stops. Because he shouted at it. And and goes away. Luckily, they didn't make any magic uh, paintbrushes out of it. <laughs> I know. I, I, I had real thoughts about that. Uh, why did he even want that? I mean, who, who's in a rush to... Well, and it's not even it's not even a part of the movie. Like if it would be a plot point in the movie that maybe he's like maybe he's got like a, a like a like a crush on like an older girl and he's like, if I'm a yeah. man, he rubs it on his face and it becomes a beard that could have been funny. Like, yeah. oh I'll impress her with my beard because she wants yeah. an older you're a boy. What? No, I'm a man, right? They could have gotten some laughs out of that. Nope. I, yeah, a, a beard might have actually been a comedic touch. This was just yeah, bizarre. So they go to school and Michael's hair is growing out of control, uh, literally growing as he's sitting in the classroom. And the how do we how do we how do we prove that it's not just another wig? Oh, that's right. That's right. And he, oh, yeah, this is weird, too. Every, every scene in this movie, I texted this while we were watching last night. Every scene in this movie would be the weirdest scene <laughs> in any other movie uh, of just like. So they're like walking up and, and the, these girls are like, oh, I bet it's just another wig. And Conrad's like, no, grab his hair and put your face in his in his head so you can check it out. I'm like, okay, this is real the weird. Dandruff, the dandruff makes it real. Yeah, and then the girl's like, oh, he's got dandruff. I'm like, of course, of course you're going to elevate the weirdness. Of course you've taken a scene that is already incredibly awkward and just elevated it to a whole other level. Great, this kid's got a dandruff. Of course he does. Um, yeah, God. Uh, but he, but he's such a distraction in the class that the teacher's like, 
you have to leave and Conrad gets kicked out because Conrad is sitting behind him, like cutting his hair. First, like, he gives, like, first he gives like an impassioned speech that like everyone applauds for about how he just wants an education. And he, <laughs> he, does. he does. That should be the gift of the movie. He's like, I want to be educated. <laughs> everyone applauds. Yeah. Just triumphant. triumphant like the play. end of scent of a woman, you know, like you expect like, <laughs> like the whole school's behind him now except then the teacher's still like no no really you gotta go <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird it's um, awesome. it's awesome. and, and this is somewhere right in here is where we get the, the special effects shot or the I guess it's more of the hair and makeup team where we learn that Conrad's pubes are now growing down his leg, out his pants, mm -hmm. and in danger of covering his shoes. It, just a thought that made me go, I really, I really don't want to be thinking about this. Like, the, you're, you're truly presenting me like a nightmare scenario, and you're doing it with like 10-year-old kids. Like, yeah. this is, yeah. like... This is not okay. Like, like it was. This is not like I don't. I don't want to police thought crimes, but like whatever's going on here is is not fine. I feel like half the audience too, like kids, wouldn't even know what that is. Right. Like they must yeah. have had so many. And it's not even. And it's not even like an intelligent film about fear of 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 of, of loss of childhood, right? You know, like an eraser head, but like who's if he's afraid of he's afraid of being a father. Well, what the kids are afraid of being adults, and this isn't a smart movie, so it doesn't work. Or even a movie that is sort of playing with themes about like puberty or growing up, or like it, it's not it's not playing around with or not playing around. It's, it's not interested like, in any like of a those stand by me. Yeah, all. it's just this random one off like their view of like a physical comedy bit but it's like no this is disturbing uh, yeah so i don't there's there's this movie includes a nightmarish dream sequence uh where part of it is in black and white and both felt like it was just sort of there to pad the time like the running mm -hmm. time because it doesn't give you any new information like it just sort of is recapping visuals we've already seen, except with some extra dog footage, I think. Yeah, here, here, here the senior has been already fired, right? And somehow he knows about Michael's plight with his hair. And he's just kind of yeah. like, hey, 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 with his dog, like he's a he's up to no good. Yeah. Well, I think it was, and then, then it was around this time. And then the he... nightmare is based on the picture, right? Like it's all these hellhounds chasing him with a fire and they want to they want to eat him by his hair. Yes. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It was around this time that the we found out that the senor's office is in a broom closet. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. And and that there's a scene where like the principal is like, "Hey, senor, like, I mean, I don't know what's up, but we're finding out that you've gone by like three different names, and it sounds like you were like facing criminal charges in a couple other towns, and so." I guess I'll see you, I'll see you around. I don't like this scene sort of like, he ultimately just like leaves the room, but there's no resolution 
the audience is now like, okay, like this all sounds pretty serious, but, and I think that there's like, a, he gets fired like off camera later on. Conrad's like, I think Conrad has like a line where he's like, the senor was fired. The senor got sacked. Yeah. <laughs> sacked. Yes. I just, I, I love that scene with the, with the principal. And it, it was, it was almost like the subtext of the principal's lines were like, yeah, this is kind of on me because I didn't do a background check. I probably should have known that you've left three other schools under suspicious circumstances and have changed your name every time. But but in the same town, oh, even. totally the town where your brothers live. And, and there's like a whole tone of like I, mistakes were made. Um, you know, let, let's get a let's get a handle on where things are now. You know. <laughs> uh, he makes Sounds reference bad. to him being what the great 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 grandson of Rembrandt. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh no, that part is true." <laughs> yeah. Actually, everything you just said is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty pretty soon in here, do you guys, I, I always think of like the opening of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or like 60s cartoons when newspapers come spinning in in like cartoon fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we get that, except the spinning newspaper is like, 10 kids missing. I'm like, whoa. Right? whoa. <laughs> whoa. So the movie just takes this turn, because like I was just about to turn it off. I'm like, OK, I'll finish the rest tomorrow. And all of a sudden, it shows a scene where the father is like trashing his art studio, very like half-heartedly. But he's like trashing his studio. I'm like, what is he doing? And then, the, yeah, the, the newspaper comes in, and it's like, 10 kids missing. And then it's like. Michael, whatever his name is, missing too. And it's like, what, what, what is happening? Like, where did this come from? Like, I thought I missed something, but I didn't. Well, it, it happens really fast because Michael insists on going to school. The dad and the sister are like, Die, your, your hair's, got, it's, it's raining. Oh my God. Your hair's going to get wet. Are, are you a madman? And the kid's like, again, well, you'd already. I said, want to be a jerk. It's the elephant man. <laughs> I want to be a jerk. He's really insistent about going to school. I am not like, an animal. But he gets like tired on the way going it's to like school. really windy. And then he like hides under a porch or something. Yeah. And then it was like, it was like pretty. Pre- comes in like twirling his mustache and it's like, ha ha, all right. Kidnapping time. And like the cops are nowhere to be found and everyone's just kind of sitting around. Well, I guess he's gone. What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's ride it's- our bikes. What? It's just weird because, like, to this point, like, you just think Senor is like this quirky character, and then all of a sudden he's a kidnapper. It's like, what the hell just happened? It was, it was out of nowhere. Yeah, he went from a jerk to like a very scary individual. Well, things are are worse even than we think. Because Conrad <laughs> comes over for breakfast, and they're like, "Oh man, ten kids have been kidnapped." And Conrad's like, ten? Actually, it's twenty. <laughs> and one of them, my sister, including my little sister. Oh well, I'm gonna have a great. <laughs> Somebody dropped that his sister's been missing for weeks. Mind if I have some of your grapes to go? Yeah, I mean, my sister is missing, presumed dead. I guess. I mean, the, the grapes seem like a small price to pay. No scenes of people searching. No missing posters. No police involved. No police characters in the film. No news broadcast scene. I just couldn't get over a movie in which they just have such like just irrelevant scenes of like people like Connie not stepping on ants on the sidewalk and, you know, um, 
he just, seems to have an, an ant collection. Remember that scene? Yeah. Shows us an yeah, ant. he's got a pet ant. I'll cheer yeah. you up with my pet ant. It's dead. Oh, why did it die? That never goes anywhere. Who but knows? then it's flies that have to go into the solution, not ants. Yeah, it was weird. There's I don't so know. many scenes that played no part in anything, and yet they, they just gloss over half of the town's children being kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was, I don't know. Because it felt like a jump in time. So all of a sudden it was like, oh, hey, ten, 10 kids are missing and it's big things going on in the town. Something was cut. Something was cut from the movie. So, um, so yeah, so the sister mom and Connie are talking about this and then they decide, she's like, oh, I have an idea to cheer up my dad because he's sad because my brother's missing. So they go to an art store and she's just going to buy him some, some art supplies, I guess, to cheer him up. But it's like so weird because like, the the guy who works there like knows that they're there to buy something for their dad to cheer him up and he comes over he's like oh this might cheer your dad up it's this really awesome brush it's so nice but it's really expensive it's like why are you trying to sell the kids you're like trying to upsell the kids this, this really expensive brush and in canadian money and 80s money that's like a 60 dollar brush yeah mm. and so so he's like I'll, I'll leave you to think about it for a little bit so they're like looking at the brush and then the sister goes She's like, wait, this is Michael's hair. Like, she can just tell. I've been cutting this hair. That it's Michael's hair. The brush is made of Michael's hair. I'd know this hair anywhere. Yeah. This, this so they're gonna, they're gonna, wild. They're going to sco- Scooby-Doo it. They're going to try to find out where the deliveries are made. Well, this scene is basically a Law & Order episode in one scene where they come in to buy a brush to cheer up a dad and they're like, oh, this brush is made with Michael's hair. Oh, the senor is selling them. Oh, he delivers on Saturday. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, you you know, stop pouring plot over my head. Well, I like, I like too that the guy's like, I'll leave you alone to think about it for a little while. And then like two seconds later, he's like, buy the brush or get the hell out of here. He's like, yeah. leave me alone or buy the brush. Just... Yeah, they walked into the store just with an idea to cheer up the dad. They right. walk out of the store knowing everything. Right. They know right. every like the whole the whole plot has been schemed. They're like, oh, okay, he's making paintbrushes with Michael's hair, and it's yeah, it's an incredible child labor, child slavery situation. Yeah, I was I was Even, still. I mean, I know they kind of explain it later, but. Um, the, the the question that uh, is unanswered at this point is why is he making paintbrushes out of Michael's hair? I, I well, and did he come up with this at first? Because at the end of the movie, they imply that the two ghosts that are hanging out in the house almost scare kids to get them to lose their hair. Right. Yeah. None of this stuff is, is to like, then to then give them the solution to give them too much hair so that they can continue to make brushes. They can continue to make money. But none of this thing seems to be connected. It's like, but it creates magic paintings that are also portals. Yeah, I guess we'll get into more later, but I'm just very curious as to how much the senor knew about the hair when he decided to kidnap Michael and enslave 20 kids to make paintbrushes out of the hair. Yeah, I mean, did this- I, I'm going with he came up with the idea on the spot. Did the senor know that Michael's hair? That did the senor? This is this is a insane sentence I'm about to say. Did the senor know that a paintbrush made from Michael's out of control growing hair would allow him to paint magical paintings that both twinkled and people could step into? Like was 
was Michael the first kid that was taken? Because I wasn't clear on that either. I assume I so. Think so. I, uh, I, I mean, maybe in that I city. Well, I don't know. Because it didn't the help that the, that the 20 kids have been have been kidnapped. Well, I, I, I do think that Michael was the first like newspaper spin thing it was like Michael, oh, whatever, okay. is stolen. And then it's like 10 kids are now missing. And then and then Connie says yeah. 20 kids are now missing. So I think he's probably the first taken. Well, some of the newspaper headlines were also in French, so I wasn't sure. Also <laughs> true. I mean, if nothing else, the senor really knows how to scale a business model. You know, he was like, okay, I, you know. Get that product out quick. Yeah. So you know, manufacturing is tough. Like, it's it's tough to be a manufacturer. And the senor is like, I can handle this. I, I know how to do it. So the kids I mean, figure out that the senor is selling these brushes to the art store. So they hatch this plan to wait for him to drop or to drop off a shipment. And then basically stow away the the one kid's going to stow away in the truck and leave a trail of sugar for the girl to follow yes. and that's that's their plan to to save michael and if they had any doubts about their plan the senor shows up to the art store wearing a hair coat yes it is a yeah that was creepy and then, and then very and then very creepily and very openly asks the sister if she would like a ride yeah like yeah. that's really scary. Like after school special, this is what you don't do, kids, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I mean, I, though, if like if their their whole plan was to follow him to find out where the factory was, she probably should have gotten in the car. Yeah, yeah, but that would have sent a really weird message to the kids. I bet you this discussion was had. She should just get in the truck. Yeah, we don't want kids to get this notion that they should get in the truck with crazy people. But shoving her friend in the back of said truck and then only delays that. that. Like, so, if their plan was already him hiding in the truck with no plan to get out of the truck before being captured, what's the difference with her going along voluntarily and then kind of, like, acting like she's with him and then she could, like, run away or something? Or involving adults. Which they end up doing later on, like saying to the adults, like, hey, look, that guy wearing the hair coat, like on Saturday, come to this art store. A guy, I think a guy in a hair coat is going to come in. He's the one kidnapping people. Nobody uh, really seems to care all that much that 20 kids are missing. No. It's no. pretty casual. Yeah. In it's, fact, when after Michael's missing and then she gets Connie kidnapped, her and her father just have like a casual fun dinner with the art dealer. And like they have no care in the world. Yeah. And when the art dealer is like, oh, you know who my brother is? The senor. They're like, oh, the senor? <laughs> Wait, no, isn't that conversation with the doctor? Because then they say oh, the that's, Yes, that's true. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. You're right. That's when we find out that Rabbit is the doctor's brother. That's and even weirder though. Like, why are they having dinner with the doc? They don't seem to have like a relationship with the doctor. They have a relationship with the art dealer. It just feels like it should have been the other way around. But yeah. They pay him in food. I don't know. It was just weird. It's like, yeah, they're both sitting there like kicked back, like ha ha ha, like laughing and stuff. And and then he mentioned the thing about his brother being the senior. They're like, wait, oh, wait, that's right. Michael's missing. Yeah. Find him. Yeah. Oh, shoot. My son's missing and my wife might be dead. <laughs> and and my my daughter, my daughter wife had a plan to follow him, but a street sweeper ruined it when the sugar that was being poured out of the back of a truck got swept up and she immediately I, bailed on it. And she was like, I, I'm not I'm not just going to follow where the street sweeper was. I'm just going to give up now. Yeah. The term daughter wife makes it so much worse. 
yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Um, so now Conrad is inside the Senor's like hairbrush production facility, which is yeah. sort of like one part like the mines from the Temple of Doom, and yeah. another like also with like a kind of a knockoff like. Terry Gilliam on a $4 budget sort of look to it too. Like there's that one set, do you know the one that hallway that's like like white? There's like, yeah. uh, I don't know, there, there's like some kind of, there's some kind of weird white hallway where I'm like, oh yeah, this is like yeah. if Roger Corman wanted to make a Terry Gilliam movie. I thought that was going to be the dog's fur. And like maybe that was his first attempt at brushes was the dog fur because that dog is so important to him and I don't know it was weird though it's very weird and and Conrad asks one of the kids he's like uh is all this hair from Michael and the kid's like oh yeah senor has him on a special yogurt diet <laughs> yeah but he's like so Michael's like in some like sleeping, yogurt he's like in some like sleeping beauty trance and yep. he and, and so the senor is like feeding him He's like laying down, his hair is like flowing down to the factory line where they're cutting it. And Dr. Senior is just like feeding him yoga. It's like the weirdest freaking stuff. It, it, and this is again, like a, a, a more surrealistic version of this movie might've worked where this, like they kind of played up the ridiculousness of an assembly line production based on a kid whose hair is growing out of control. But instead it's just sort of sad and grim and like, what's going on like yeah. it's, this kid is being held down and force-fed yogurt i was more yeah. weirded out by this than anything in like the human centipede yeah yeah, yeah. it was more depressing it was like it wasn't it wasn't whimsical it was just like dark yeah weird yeah. Um, and just the whole child labor thing yeah that too yeah and and is this where we learn that the magic paintbrushes make the magic paintings? Because some yeah. other kids show Conrad, like, mm -hmm. if you, oh, come look at these paintings and you can step into them because they're magic. Yeah. Um, and one kid did step into one once, but they're all paintings of imaginary places. So that kid just came back. Yeah. Because you can't escape into it. It's only like limited in size, I guess. Yeah, like, okay, like, this seems like a pretty weird and big rule to be introducing in an hour and 10 minutes into an hour and 30 minute movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the timeline from here on in is like, it, it was very confusing to me, like, time wise, because like, some at some point, they, they go with the doctor to the art dealer's place. And they say to him, like, we know your brother is senor and he stole all these kids and where are they? And he like eventually tells them, like, oh, the, he's here, I think he says, right? He's like, he's here. Yeah, he does. He does. And they're like, here. Oh, and then they like, rush off. But then it's like two or three days, it feels like, still for Conrad because he goes well, through they, all this stuff. They said he's here on Friday. So in the paint store, he comes, he comes into the, the painting supply store on oh, Saturday. Right. So the kids found him on Saturday. And then when they go talk to the rabbit, he says, the rabbit says he's here on Friday. And the dad uh, says, yeah. that's not going to work. It's only Tuesday. So uh, it's already been a couple days from the sugar truck incident. I was half paying attention at that point. Yeah. So I, thought, I thought he said he's here because then they disappear. And then, yeah, it's another couple of days. But then the daughter finally finds the sugar trail. And I think she says it's been a week that she's been looking, right? 
Yeah. I don't remember she said, I don't remember how long she said, but she's been looking for day, for at least days. Yeah. I feel like it was yeah. a week. I think she said, oh, I, I can't believe it. I looked for a week. I finally found it. It's like, okay. Well, because she had at least two dates with her dad right. in between the original sugar pour and her finding yeah. and the sugar trail. She never said, yeah. I'm like, oh, there's somewhere in the city, there's a sugar trail that leads directly to Mike or to Conrad and Michael. So maybe we should look for that. She never says that to him. And maybe the ants could have played in by eating all the sugar. They follow the ants. Oh no, the sugar's gone. Wait, the ants. I don't know. Here's what I really want, and because I think I'm in Cody's boat on this one. Can anybody explain to me in a non in a rational way what Conrad's escape plan ends up being? What what I think would be called Operation Adoption, you know, (laughs) if they were giving it a code name. I was trying to follow it and and like my brain was just it was it was like water falling through my hands. I could not hold on to what this plan was, what was happening, why it was working. I think his plan was to get on the senior's good side to get him to paint the burned out house to get him unconscious like he knew Michael became unconscious. But how did he the dad angle? At no point in the movie did the did the at no point in the movie was it stated anywhere that the senor was tragically right uh, messed up because he always only ever wanted to be a father, and this is his warped vision of what it's like to be a good father is forcing them to do all this labor. But he honestly thinks he's doing good by them because he's cuckoo, right? Uh, That's not there. So when the kid throws out, "I want you to be my dad," that's so weird. My biggest thing though is like, how does he know this is this is supposed to work? Like getting the senora to get the fright, like how that's like he he somehow knows that this is the answer. It's so complex. It's yeah. so complex that this kid is like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. This guy just busted me trying to escape. I'm gonna convince him that I actually see him as a father figure, and by doing that, I can get him to paint a location where he can, not me, he can crawl into the painting. And I think if he crawls up there, I've never actually been to this place. I'm a kid who just saw this from the outside. I think if he crawls up there, he might get scared. And if he gets scared, we're all gonna be able to, I mean like, like. But the crux is like, if he gets scared that then Michael is okay. Like it takes it away from Michael. Yeah, how did he know that? Like that—that that was a rule. That's another rule that's thrown into this movie very late in the game. It's like you know, a thing, and they live. Like only one person can get stalked at a time. You just have right. to pass it along. Right. Right. Can, can, right. We, can we also talk about the fact that the scene where Connie tries to to get out of there and and save Michael, he's he's talking to one of the kids and like. Oh, don't even bother. There's a bunch of trip wires that Senor's laid out. He's like, oh, shoot. And then the kid's like, oh, wait, here's this magic trip wire indicator that will show you all of the magic trip, the invisible trip wire. I love that. I love that. That kid was both like the fire alarm and the fireman. He's like, here's the whole problem. Oh, also, I'm holding a solution in my pocket. Here we go. <laughs> I was like, okay. What he's been waiting all his life. Yeah, he's been waiting all his life to pull that sucker out. That's his it one thing. It was like thing. a tassel. It was like a tassel that magically like floated up when there was an invisible tripwire. Yeah, what did he with that. Yeah, well, that but, I mean, that didn't look magic. That just looked like it was a paintbrush with a string on it that hit all the tripwires, but not hard enough to trip them. Yeah. 
I also love. So they put work into creating that thing just to never use it until. Yeah, just to, just to say it's impossible. Yeah. Some kid is like, ah, I'm an inventor, but I'm I'm not really the one who operates this. I, I'm the idea I'm, guy, you know. I'm not really a doer. Yeah. I'm a dreamer. I also loved so much that after Conrad tricks the senor into climbing into the painting, getting scared, like when he climbs into the, when he goes into the haunted house, that one of the other kidnapped kids is like, I don't know, man, that guy was pretty cool. That senor was pretty cool when he was like trying to be your dad. And for just, just a moment, just for 15 seconds, this movie delves into the idea of Stockholm syndrome. And then Conrad has to be like, hey, come on, you know, like you, you, you got to understand the actual torture and abuse that's going on here. Look past the, the small kindness he's done. It's like, whoa. It's a weirdly deep, deep concept. Again, for an hour and 20 minutes into an hour and 30 minute movie. Uh, so this is where, again, a sister wife finds the sugar trail. And this, Michael... This fight, oh, go ahead, Yeah, I'll just say that the fight is insane, too, because there's like... The, the, the senor comes back out of the painting bald, no surprise. And like there's like 25 kids in there, and they let the senor like win the fight at the beginning. He's like oh, yeah, yeah. them all in nets. It's like there's like you're outnumbering him 20 to 1. Just tackle him. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt like this was an early version of they needed a hero moment for Conrad's sister, where she like just sets up a tripwire, but it was like, okay, like it's not even, I'm not even totally sure why that works, you know? I mean, I know why it works, but it's like, that's all you needed to do? Because you're right, with like 45, well, 20 kids, they could have all just pummeled him with, even if they all hit him with paintbrushes. Um, and then, Michael decides to crawl into the painting. And mm -hmm. then we get this hilarious- To confront his fear. To confront his fear. And you get this hilarious sequence of the kids being like, what are you doing, idiot? And then he crawls into the painting and then they're all like, yay, Michael's doing it. I'm like, <laughs> the kids are essentially just, I feel like they just had these kids set up in a studio and they were like, Okay, no, now give us an apprehensive reaction shot. Great. Now give us a cheering at reaction shot. Oh, okay, great. Now give us a concerned reaction. Like they just do a bunch of, re like all of the emotions get delivered in the backdrop of a studio. As Michael. Right, can we, can we yeah. have some context for these emotions? Yeah, like what's going on? No, con no time for context. Uh, yeah, we, we, we could explain to you, but it's not going to make any sense. So just let's go. Here. But take care yeah. of it in post. Yeah. It's it's too late for sense in this, yeah. So Michael is walking around the haunted house and he sees the two ghosts who he's already, the, the Melba toast stealing white, quote unquote, wino ghosts. And he's like, oh, it's you guys. I'm not afraid of you. And they're like, yeah, you know who we are. He's like, cool. All right, I got to walk out again. No, I'll see you. Yeah. He was never, I don't know. That's what I thought, maybe, I don't know. Shouldn't he have known who they were the first time? Because he clearly knows who they were when he sees Maybe. them in his house. Yeah. So shouldn't he have known who they were when he goes into the burnt out house? Yeah. And why are they? I mean, I mean, I I can imagine being like eleven and and walking through an abandoned house and bumping into a, a hobo that might be a little scary, but not like, yeah, but not that like that, right? 
wouldn't it be also scary when the same hobo was in your house the next day? Too? That would be scarier. Someone broke into your house. Yeah, yeah, like he, is, that, but. he is not freaked out when he sees them in his house, but he is totally freaked out that first time he sees them. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very weird. Um, but but the, the, was scared of his own brother. Yeah. He yeah. was. Um, so then they, so everybody's there's the Conrad and Conrad's sister and Michael are trying to escape from the senor. And they're like, there's like a whole thing with keys and locks and they're running out and they, they're like, Oh no, the final door is locked and the senor is going to catch us. And then the dad, the dad and sister wife and the art dealer and the doctor and the police, and the only like, cop all, like falling in like a clown Two police officers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. twenty kids have been kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's Canada. Canada, and it's the it's father. Canada. The father is the one who busts him first. Like freeze. Yeah, <laughs> and he did like a yeah, he did like a karate chop thing. I like that. I, I laughed at that. I was like, of course, sure. Because at first I was like, oh, it's just going to be the dad of the sister. And then when it's revealed that like every other character in the movie is there too. I was like, like are the homeless ghosts going to come in? Like, you know, was this just everyone who was on set come in through this door? It was a very uh, Broadway ending to the movie where you have everyone in the cast come in for the final scene. <laughs> yeah. And even the senor is like, ah, you got me, you know. Oh, you busted my child trafficking ring. All right, all right. Lasted. Yeah. Um, and, and we get the final shot of the movie, which is they <laughs> they all arrive back at the house. Conrad, who really should be going to see his own family, who was also yeah. a kidnapping victim. <clears throat> and his family has no idea where he's he's like i'm sure i guess conrad at that point is like oh, i'll get don't worry i'll get to my own family <clears throat> let me do some bits with you guys on your front yard before i go check in with them he seemed more concerned that michael had been kidnapped than his own little sister <laughs> yeah his own family member yeah um and then as they're all messing around in the yard then the the mythical slash believed to be dead mom pulls up in a taxi and uh you know is and it's like michael look at your hair and everyone you know i I almost wish someone would be like oh mom do we have a story for you (laughs) i i how are you gonna tell this how are you gonna tell it to her though how would you tell this (laughs) i would have loved if the the sister wife in this scene was wearing like a pantsuit (laughs) <laughs> and, it like, and it was just a line where she was like, I, I, I'm the mom now, you know. <laughs> well, I imagine there's got to be some sort of like police follow up. She's going to have to learn that her son was kidnapped along with dozens of other children. And why didn't you call me and tell me about this? Yeah. I mean, clearly you knew where she was. There was a number and the dad never bothered to call her. When she reads the newspaper the next day, it'll be all be revealed to her. Yeah. <laughs> A newspaper comes spinning in. 20 kidnapped kids found. Human hair growth manufacturing operation. Child trafficking ring broken up. Throughout the whole final half hour of the movie, I just kept thinking, what would the senor do if he also knew that Conrad's pubes are growing at this rate? But they weren't anymore. I guess that's true because he yelled at because them. Because the joke, the joke wasn't funny anymore, so they just stopped they, they just had to, yeah, they had to get rid of it. 
Yeah, why, why didn't Connie tell Michael that all you have to do is yell at it and it'll stop growing? Yeah. I know. That could have solved a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> because he would have been, I mean, that would have been a nightmare scenario if the senor was trying to harvest that situation. I mean, now. Yeah. Let's yeah. just skip past this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the movie posits it, you know. Oh. That would have been just very troublesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a so wrong it's right question, but I do have this movie was just re-released on Blu-ray uh, and has a commentary track from the actor who played Michael okay. and one of the producers and has an, an, an interview with the actor who played Conrad. Okay. There's a part of me that is tempted to buy it just to hear like the the thoughts of people who worked on this who are now looking back on you know I feel like even Stephen King would say "Ooh, my mid-80s were kind of rough with you know but I I didn't do anything this messed up Mm -hmm. and and I wrote uh, I Stephen King wrote a child orgy scene in it and even that is less troublesome than most of this movie um but so let's do, all right, let's do a round. Is it, is it so bad it's good? Jack, I'm going to start with you, the one who is the most experienced with this. Well, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I remember enjoying it, but not being like, I love this movie. Uh, as an adult, I'm like, why did I have that feeling? Um, I don't necessarily think it's, it's so bad it's good, but I do think it's definitely a noteworthy film that should be seen if you're interested in the kinds of movies we review. My light went out. Hang on, but yes, Jack. I hope you. Don't uh, I say sort. I say sort of. I say sort of yes. Sort of yes. It's okay. not so bad. It's good, but it is definitely worth the watch if you are interested in movies like this. It, it's worth that 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 hour and a half to just say this is a fascinating piece of sort of forgotten cinema history. Okay, I, I do like how you say movies what? like this because I'm not sure I would ever. Not a piece of cinema history. Like well, mo- mo- movies like the movies we review. Like if you're interested okay. in bad okay. movies, you yeah. might get a kick out of it. Like what is this? Okay, right? like it's it, it's unique, but it is. It, it, I guess in a broad sense falls into a category of like these. What the hell is this? Okay. Jack just gave a very like if this movie ever somehow mistakenly got played on like TCM that that if I were the TCM if TC, of cinema history if TCM lets me be a guest they used to do the bit where the where the guest could program an evening and it would be four films I might I might be tempted to choose this one <laughs> <laughs> all right Christy let me let you go next what do you think is it so bad it's good. No, this may be the hardest one for me uh, to sit through of everything that I've watched for this podcast. Uh, Although I do find that I seem to have just kind of a mental issue with 80s movies that do this where it feels like there's no um, there's no background. It just kind of drops into a weird scene that feels like you should already know what's going on. But that feels like the whole movie. I feel like and I I feel like a lot of that happens in 80s movies. So maybe it's just. You know, I I don't like that format. Um, but no, this it, ugh, this was the longest hour and a half movie ever. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. I'll throw mine in before I go to Cody. I uh, th- this is a tough watch. Like I I was uncomfortable the entire time watching it, either from the content or from the the like 
whiplash-inducing turns the movie is making, but it is so weird. I mean, every scene is weird. There's 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 not a moment in this movie where the mo you're like, oh, okay, this feels like a stable scene in a narrative film that is telling like a coherent story. Like mm -hmm. every choice is strange. Every product, like on every level from like screenwriting to direction. I mean, the acting actually is pretty, I mean, like, I, I don't think it's it yeah. really is weird, but like everything else is so weird outside of the actors that it's fascinating. It's, I just can't imagine what was going through people's minds as this was being made. So I would, I, I would say it's kind of a, it's a, it is the longest 90 minute movie. I agree with Christy that I've ever seen, but I am going to put it in this so bad it's good category in that like, I've, I've seen thousands of movies in my life. I've never seen anything like this before. And I don't think I ever even could see anything like this again. I think any studio would have shut this movie down while it was in production and said, we're just cutting our losses on this. And I uh, think that's the greatest compliment this film could ever receive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Cody, let me let you, you go next and Brian will bring us home. No. No? You didn't find it. Now, Cody, this is a chill, a horror film no. for children. You saw, you found nothing redeeming in it? No. Huh. Wow. All right. All right. Brian, you're, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Cody. I, I would, I would only recommend this movie to my worst enemies. Like, <laughs> I, I, I kept that the thing that I kept, I don't know why, but the thought I kept thinking about, like, if, if this was like a 30 for 30, like the, 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 the hook would be like, what if I told you there was a movie in which 20 kids were kidnapped and made to make paintbrushes out of magical hair and that wasn't the main focus of the movie <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and that's just that just, and that just comes in towards the end of the movie and don't worry about it too much because that part moves really fast yeah the first part was like a, the whimsical origin story of Rogaine yeah <laughs> <laughs> I kept waiting for whimsical you know the way you know, yeah. Jack talked about having memories of this movie watching it as a kid I, I wanted it I wanted something whimsical there was nothing whimsical about this I mean My it's not a kid's movie that. it just happens to involve kidnapping children there yeah. was not there was no hijinks there was no kids having fun yeah. It, it, it really, this movie, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie City of Lost Children by Jean-Pierre Cunet. Yes. Do you know, Jack? Like, I do. This is the worst possible version of that movie. <laughs> yes. It's like City of Lost Children is very whimsical and like visual. But it can be dark and, and creepy at times. It's dark and creepy, but it actually feels like a weird fairy tale and it mm -hmm. like feels together. And this is- the before it was cool. Yeah, and this is like the junk version of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty rough. But I, I like this is a movie that's going to haunt me for the rest of like there are. There are <laughs> I already I'm serious. Know, like, Twenty it, it, years from now, at some point, I'm going to be thinking about this. Movie. My mind would have been before I even watched it the other day. It, it would it pops into my head right now, like just yeah. a recollection of it. A recollection of this movie pops into my head. I'm going to say it. 
a couple times a year daydreaming or just like, oh, what was that? Well, this is kind of like, oh, that reminds me of the kid from the peanut butter solution or whatever. It, it comes up every now and then because I, I only saw it once and it had a strong enough impression on me where I didn't forget about it, but I kind of did because clearly my brain filled in a lot of the missing pieces. Yeah. Are yeah. you happy about that, Jack, that, that you, you think of it so fondly? No, I can't anymore now that I've seen it in its for, in its pure form, but I, I'm, I'm glad to have revisited it. Uh, we you, corrupted Jack. Have you guys ever, you guys, did you guys watch The Last Unicorn? Uh, I, yeah, I have. My sister did, but I, I, we, we had, like, I think we had it on VHS at my house, but I've never seen it. That was a, movie, a movie I loved as a kid. Absolutely loved it. Then I watched it. I think I was in my 20s when I watched it again. And my God, it is disturbing. Isn't it? It is. It's a fantastic movie. It is I a fantastic it. movie, but it, I don't know how it was a kid's movie. And it, I mean, it was, but it's got horrible things and oh, yeah. sexual things that shouldn't sure. be in a kid's movie. And but they I mean, were, it, is, it is traumatizing know, right? to, to watch it and understand that movie. And I, I feel like that's where this falls, that like mm -hmm. maybe as a kid you think it's okay, but then when you realize what's really going on, it is not. Yeah. There's something to be said about, I don't know, for good or bad, a lot of the 80s and 70s and 80s kind of kids movies do get those criticisms, right? Like, oh my God, this is a lot darker than I think. And I, when I watch movies that are aimed at children today, they're quality films, but they are very tame, right? And I'm thinking to myself, well, I remember when I was like, you know, nine years old, I saw Conan or 10 years old, I saw Conan, you know what I mean? And that's a violent, brutal movie, but it's a, you know, I wasn't so scared. Well, that well I, even think right? about, I mean, we're referencing like Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits. It's a beautiful movie. Beautiful. And the kid's parents are killed at the end mm -hmm. of the movie. Like the kid's parents explode. Um, I feel like every Disney movie, somebody's parents get killed though. That's well. They they explode in the end. In the final, the final scene of the movie, the kid is left an orphan, which is like, which I think wow. that I'm like, wow, that's really dark. You know, like it didn't didn't hit me that much as a kid, but I'm like, I don't know if they would let. Well, Lion King is pretty there. dark. The death of of Mufasa is pretty traumatic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. To this day, I fast forward the stampede scene. That's a right. Yeah, Apparently, right. the Japanese it. version yeah. that Disney totally didn't rip off is a lot is a lot darker. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, at least none of them. You know, th this is this is the low point of of kids kids cinema, if you will. Uh, yes, I would say that the, the, in quality terms, yes, but in I tone, will, uh, there's a lot of '80s fantasy movies that are very dark. Yeah. I will and let I, everyone I know if it. I do end up, uh, if I do buy the Blu-ray, I'll let people know <laughs> what they cover on the Blu-ray. And I did want to give, we don't normally get to do this. Before we go, I wanted to give an update on a movie we have previously done. A new version of Rocky Four is coming out. A Sylvester Stallone personally re-edited version of Rocky Four. And it has leaked out what is not going to be in the new Sylvester Stallone Rocky Four. What there is going to be one hundred percent less of. Can we take there. a guess? Take a it's guess. Gotta, it's got to be the robot. The <laughs> robot. There is no <laughs> Polly. But the robot, robot has to be there. Out. Yeah. I hope his speech about getting along with Russia at the end is even longer, though. 
And I hope they extend that. Yeah. A lost I mean, time is going to go there. Now it's going to be more montage. They're just going to pad it with more montage. Well, that's the crazy thing. Now, six before. times the montage. If you cut out. A montage in the well, how, I don't even know how they can cut that out. If you cut out the Polly's sex robot stuff, it <laughs> goes to like, it's now like an hour and 10 minutes. Like it's only like an, like an 85 minute movie as it is. So I don't know what he's going to dig up to replace that, but it is, um, yeah, come out that that maybe the greatest subplot is being cut out of that movie. Sad times. Maybe they'll just like see Jai replace it with like an actual woman. So like Polly has a, Oh, yeah. Instead of a robot. That seems like something Sylvester Stallone would do. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or I also just feel like Sylvester Stallone will somehow write himself into another part in the movie and he'll be like Peter Sellersing it, you know, like playing all different parts. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to look for that. I'm excited to see that. Uh, and otherwise, we will be back very soon. We've got a couple of ideas for our next movie. Uh, talking a few things over. We'll figure out what it's going to be. Um, they, it will not be, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I do. It will not be another children's horror movie. I'll put it that way. Oh, no, don't say that. Well, what if it, notice how they said that this in the beginning title screens, this is like episode two or part two or something. Yeah. Oh, I didn't remember like, that. Oh God, where's part one? I got to right? track that down. I thought maybe yeah, that was a production company logo or something. I think this was like, because um, this was, I think this was partially produced by Canada or the CBC. And I think this was like going to be like, they were trying to do something like, you guys are a little young. I don't know if you remember Shelley Duvall's fairy tale theater. I do. Okay. I think they were kind of trying to go for a darker version of fairy tale theater. Um, okay. And. They nailed it, basically. Oh, I mean, no, they didn't. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I am going to see if I can track that down. But yeah, we'll be back soon. More bad movies, more good times. And yeah, we'll see everyone back here. Bye.